Welcome to Bros, Bibles, and Beer, episode 41. On this one, Scott, Jeff, and myself are joined by my wife, Lisa. We dive in to Lisa and my story and how we experienced a healthy dose of tragedy early on in our marriage. And we talk about how we got through it. And it turns out that tragedies and difficulties in life can have repercussions, both good and bad. And they don't always show up right away. Some of those seeds take time to germinate and grow. And you'll find out why both Lisa and myself say that we would go through it again. Which, on one level, still does not make sense to me. A quick warning on this episode, there is some explicit language. And in the interest of keeping the conversation honest and intact, I do not bleep anything out. So if you are sensitive to the occasional bad word, you have been warned. Really, though, this is a great conversation. It runs deep. It's going to be a two-parter. There's a lot of laughing. There's some crying and everything else in between. Please don't hesitate to let us know what you think. We want to hear from you guys and gals. BBBpod.com is where you can find all the episodes as well as show notes and resources. And you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bros Bibles Beer. Be sure to check out Lisa's podcast she does with our friend Tally called Grace Space. Thanks for listening. I love you. This is the point where I wish I yeah. knew Harry Potter characters Her- so I could, yeah. I could Her- work them into different positions. Hermione's 18 now. So, oh. Why does it matter oh. how old Hermione Yeah, is yeah it's fantasy, Scott. Scott. It doesn't matter how old they are, right, Jeff? <laughs> What's the matter with you, Jeff? And instantly, we're in bros, bottles, and beer mode. <laughs> I'm so excited right now. Can you contain yourself, Lisa, just for I, an, an I hour? I can't stop jumping up and down. This is thrilling and momentous. Compelling. And exhilarating. Just what what the world, well, what America needs in this time of great upheaval. We don't know what's going to happen. Going to be, you know, Hillary. Going to be, what's the other guy's name? Johnson. No, there's another guy. Don? Uh, Don? Starts the T, rhymes with rump. Oh, that's speaking of compelling oh. or hump Cr- oh. crump or bump. crump crump hey slump if the if america wants Dump. to get crump i guess I'm, <laughs> I'm the only republican bump. in the room i already said that one oh. get a new one hmm. you said Jackie. dump i already did slump you say fake words like crump frump hey let's stop frump is a word let's make this podcast great again right Lump. now right now <laughs> Wow, how was that commute, Scott? Just it was terrible. <laughs> holding the energy back? Man, I I really, it makes me want to run, which that's... <laughs> run at the that mouth. That takes a lot. Run yeah. at the mouth. Oh, well, that too. Yeah. I wish I had been on your weed podcast. I listened to it and I had some... What do you have to say? Oh, give us a quick thought. Go for it. Oh, this is Lisa I, I Crater. I just lip smacked. I apologize. This is Lisa Crater. She is my wife. And... She is the co-host of Grace Space Podcast. Grace Space. To you. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Is that John McCarthyism? Uh, <laughs> one thing, and actually, I don't know, you maybe have touched on that, this part, when I was thinking, when I was listening to it, but 
when Scott was talking about how she's pointing right at me. I with a nice gesture, with her, not with, with her, my finger out. Yeah, with her wrist, she's pointing at me with her wrist. Don't something listen to Scott. Just keep talking. Something I thought about was when you're talking about oh, legalize marijuana, and then oh, next it's cocaine, and then next it's you know where does it end with what you allow to legalize as far as quote unquote drugs are concerned. And my thought was, I feel like marijuana is in its own thing, in its own family. Is it special? It is special. Set apart? Yes. So it's kind of holy. Don't go there. Stop. Okay. Don't take me down that (laughs) whole rabbit hole. Holy rabbit trail. Zach, you you just went cocaine. She's talking about weed. You just went to the cocaine rabbit trail, slippery slope. Oh, sorry. Yeah. But there's obviously, I think there's some um, prescription drugs that are mm. 10 times worse than marijuana. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And those are just handed out on yeah. prescription pads. And they're just and as addictive or probably more addictive more than addictive. marijuana. Yeah. I worked in a physical therapy office where I wish all those people that were on those medications were just taking marijuana. They'd probably be a lot happier. I mean, their brain chemistry is probably so jacked right now from all the drugs they were on. And they were hopping offices just seeking medication because they were so addicted to it. And so my thought was something like marijuana, it's almost at, in my mind, the same level as alcohol. It's actually made possibly safer than alcohol. Oh, it is. Yeah. And it has super great medicinal properties that actually help get people with their headaches, with their their pain from cancer, like whatever is going yeah. on with them. It has a lot yeah. of value. And, yeah, I agree with that. Um, like sleeping pills, you, people use SSRIs, so the selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors Damn it, for, for sleeping pills, but that is messing with natural brain yes. chemistry just to fall asleep, whereas marijuana... Yeah, it's not going to mess with your natural natural brain chemistry like that. There is that. some evidence, I think, when, you're, when your brain is still developing as a child, uh, child slash early teens, mid-teens, to where it can mess with your language functions of the brains. Yeah. The brains is. But in terms of long-term effects, addiction, um, the bad stuff, all the terrible side of alcohol, pot basically doesn't have it. It doesn't yeah, you're have not going to destroy effects. your liver. Yeah, and and I I forget exactly what I said um, the last episode. I might have been responding to or just going down Zach's line of reasoning, like you know, yeah. in general, the you, amount of free, the more freedom we have, the better off. And you were making so, an argument, yeah, I opposed gotcha. to marijuana. There's yeah. just things when I was listening to, I was like, wait, I want to say this, and <laughs> yeah. I want to say that, and wait, wait. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Let me, let, me, yeah. let me say something. And we definitely didn't cover as much as... There's a whole plethora of stuff we could have gone to that we just didn't have time for. So maybe a follow-up one after it's legalized or not. We'll see. But maybe the question I don't think we asked, um, if you were in charge, would you outlaw all drugs? Who are you talking to? Zach, Lisa, Jeff. If, outlaw if, all drugs? Yeah. Are we talking well, Tylenol like, and... Let, let's, say, let's say the drugs that have have a history of being abused would you outlaw them for the sake of for the for the good of in general most things would be illegal in my book um yeah. they would there would be some form of regulation and 
You couldn't uh, even play the Super Bowl anymore that because or else we'd have to take out the uh alcohol driven wife beater on Super Bowl Sunday because that would <laughs> that's drink, terrible. drink Bud Light. That's, that's that would that would I mean no, it'd be a, it's they abuse their women. That's known fact. That's the greatest day oh, of football abuse. causes Abuse of women. No, the abuse of women. I mean, that's the statistic is much higher on that the specific abuse of women, day. not abusive Men women. Abusing <laughs> their women on that particular day on Super Bowl Sunday. They got to learn that the game is on. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> the men, the men have to learn that the game is on. They need yeah, to be more patient with their wives. I, that's where that's I thought where you were going. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Where do you guys think I was talking yeah. about? Lisa thought you were talking about women for some reason. Like the women need to learn. Ultimately, it's always but about it's, women. It starts with prohibiting these drugs, and then it's like, what other bad things are there? Men. We need to get rid of the men. Well, I agree. I agree with that. Yeah, men are stupid. There's actually a great movie on that. No men beyond this border or wall. It's it's good. <laughs> it's your wife's favorite. It was Scott's question. What was your question, Scott? Would you legalize drugs in general, it, or or legalize them, or make make them illegal? Yeah, and, and, yeah. That was more your question. Would you make so drugs illegal? E, yeah. No, illegal drugs that are le- illegal right now. Would you make them legal? Is that what you were asking? All drugs, I think, is what he means. Well, well I, I just I, in general. Whether they're legal or not now. Oh, the, the drugs that have a track record of being abused and destroying lives and Cocaine, heroin, and cocaine, crack. So, some even, e- even legal drugs now yeah. um, that don't probably don't need to be out there. Um, yeah. So, so legal and illegal? Yeah. Yeah. That there would, there would be some that are legal now under prescription that would, would become – that you would make illegal. Oh. I was looking for blanket stuff. You're asking for individual drugs. Yeah, I had I had already caveated the okay. question. But to answer your question without caveats, I'd say sure. Question mark. Mm, okay. Just to be clear, I'm going to consider the question mark not a caveat. <laughs> Jeff, <laughs> no, I still don't understand the question. I'm answering I'm no. <laughs> I'll say yes, just for the sake of being contrarian. I'm not even sure what the question was. I'd right. say you have to take each drug one by one. You can't. Well, that's all... the fun of right. Zach's questions is that you don't get to caveat it that way. No, you could say. That's not a caveat. You could say that's... no with caveats, which means further discussion. Because oh. oh. this is, we could go on with this forever. I thought you said no caveats. Oh. I said you could say I have caveats. Can we try that right now? You can't actually list the caveats. Oh. Let's do that right now. Let's go on forever. Continue. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Just one. Would you? Would you uh, still make cocaine illegal? Would would cocaine be illegal? Are we in Colombia? Uh, in your in Jeff's America, would cocaine be still be illegal? Wow, this is a deep question. Yes. Zach, no. Jeff, I'm on Zach's coattails. I'm he, on, he doesn't uh, even want to say yes. I know. I'll, I'll just I'll agree with Lisa. Nice. Okay. Well, next that, drug. That settles it. <laughs> Cocaine. <laughs> on forever. All right. I got something real quick. I posted something on Twitter and Facebook that got quite a response from one particular individual. And I want to read what I posted on Facebook in case you guys didn't see it. I didn't see it. And I didn't see it. I'm going to read this. It's very short. And you guys give me stream of consciousness. What do you think I mean? Okay, no thinking, 
Just stream of consciousness. Streaming. If we were born with, quote, their circumstances, we would probably see the world as, quote, they do. That should humble us. Okay, I did see that. Okay. Yeah. So now you have to pretend you haven't seen the response. Oh. And oh, just, I haven't seen the response. Okay. No. I'm sorry. The Cubs flashed on my phone and it said they'd score two more runs and it's 5-1. Could you repeat it one more time? We are recording during game seven of the Cubs. Yeah. They're up 5-1? Yes. Oh, praise Jesus. <laughs> there is a God. Thank God. If we were born with their circumstances, we would probably see the world as they do. That should humble us. I, I'm gonna th- I think without seeing the response, just I, I think you're um, either talking about homosexuals or uh, Muslims. Okay, Jeff, you're talking about the Democratic. That went so different than I thought you were going to say. You're talking about the Democratic Party, right? Well, you tell me what you think. This was your answer to somebody. No, it was just a random posted it pithy tweet slash Facebook post. Is this mine, Maximus? Yes. Uh, To me, that when I think about that, it's um, just treat each other with compassion. When you say humble You're yourself, so it's like, let's not put ourselves on a pedestal compared to others. That's what comes to mind. Well, Jeff, you win. Wow. Hey, I didn't get an answer. Oh, Lisa. It's too late. Too late. Okay, strike, too late. strike my response from the record. Well, Lisa and I have talked about this, so that's why I left that's her out. That's not fair. She, what do you think? Do you remember what you thought when you first saw it? My thought was along the lines of just don't initially judge someone, maybe a comment they make or a position that they take on a certain political issue or whatever that may be, that the initial response should not be judgment, that we need to allow conversation to take place. That's solid. However, the correct answer was, damn, my husband, I love him. That is smart stuff on Facebook. He's so pious. Yeah. But you're right. I don't think I even <laughs> responded to it when he put no, it up didn't. there. I was, I was actually upset. That's why I didn't respond. It irritated you? So you read into it a little bit. No, I didn't know what to think. So I was trying to do actually what Lisa said and not judge you based on what you just said. Good man. Yeah, I had a friend um, who's given some feedback before, and he responded. I'm not going to read it, but it was a long response. Is it Millsap? CC. It might, yeah, it's. I can say it. Hi, Mil, Millsap. Hi, David. I love you. Dave and I used to play in a band together. Dave's supposed and to be on the show. Together. Yeah, he, he will be on the show. Yeah, I think I lived with Dave for a little bit, too. I think he, uh, most of you lived with Zach and Dave at some point in I didn't, your bachelor. I didn't, te- bachelor, I didn't te- um, technically bachelor? live with Zach, but I slept on the couch a lot. So like I, but I didn't technically seven live days there. a week? Yeah. So... <laughs> Yeah, he gave a big response, and basically he did what sounds like Scott did a little bit and um, and Jeff did a little bit in terms of the Democrat-Republican Party. People have these preconceived notions, so they read something like this that's very broad in general, and they go to where they're at, which is fascinating. Like, Dave was in a place where he was—later on he revealed he was in a mood— 
Because I responded, <laughs> I responded that you read a lot into that that was not there, and, and in general, the the idea was just a, a posture of humility is needed for this political shitstorm, shit just in general with everybody's lives uh, and the multicultural things that are prevalent in America, and very a lot of different opinions and. Some of conservative Christianity, uh, they think they're being persecuted when it's really there's just more voices with more opinions and more cultures, more religions, more ideas. And humility amongst all that was the idea. So that was it. So I'm going to hijack your word persecuted. Okay. I for, for a very long time, I feel like I've been persecuted by you, Zach. You have not been able to tell your story. I agree. <laughs> In fact, I want our listeners to know that Zach Scott and myself went toe to toe at a table with our microphones, and Zach was telling his story and stopped cold on the spot and said, I can't do this. And he was. We were like 45 minutes in. We were deep into it. And, um, and I had really been anticipating Zach telling a story, and he. He just, he stopped and he said, oh my gosh, Jeff, I'm so sorry. Because he knew that I was excited about, I just like stories. Um, but I think just bringing things into the light and letting people in um, does a great deal for people and um, how they see us and, and humans and believers and um, how we're living our lives. And he said, I, I can't do this. And he said, I, I need my wife here. And I was like, she's like my blankie. <laughs> I was like, wow, I am so okay with, with this. I'm better than okay. And I loved that you just stopped and said, I can't, I can't go on and literally just dropped the mic and, um, we just stopped. Um, which is why we have your lovely wife, Lisa here to join us. Hello. <laughs> and and so, Scott, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. He's scrolling on no. Facebook. Well, I was just I was just looking distracted. at please, no, please, I, was, please. I, was, I was looking at something that one of uh one of our previous guests had posted on Facebook, Chris Messina. So um, you weren't listening to anything Jeff was just saying. I don't care what Jeff says normally. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we're gonna leave that aside. <laughs> go ahead, Jeff. Um, Keep setting me up. <laughs> okay. So now we're here. We're finally here. And I'll speak for Scott, who's AWOL right now, <laughs> that he's, we're, we are um, engaged and excited to hear your story and dig in a little more. I want to just jump in. Um, if you could just briefly, your family background, um, Christian, parents, Together, married, how long have they been married? Your brothers, sisters? Lisa, I want to invite you anytime. Jump in. Because I okay. feel like we've been together forever, which is a good thing. And, as you say, that's, <laughs> that's a good, a good thing. thing yes. <laughs> yeah. So, family history. Uh, family history is conservative, uh, evangelical, fundamental ish, because I think technically fundamentalists is a classification that I don't think we were, but in general, if it says it in the Bible 
uh, a la six day creation, not a la like Muslim, a la uh, Scott. Scott. I was reading <laughs> into what reading you just said. Yeah. <laughs> that sounded, it sounded like that's what you said. Okay. It's like, what, it was an what is he talking about? Vis a vis? Yeah. Ergo, none of those apply. Yeah, being Six clubbing. days in creation, that's what actually happened. So, in, in general, however, there was music at our church, and I think fundamentalists and like classic fundamentalists would not have music and like Church of Christ rock band stuff. So conservative evangelical. So you grew up in a faith based family. Yeah, faith based. Jesus, Bible. He was homeschooled. I think that is an important detail too. I was also. homeschooled until high school. Yes. Would you Would you say that your family was? Gospel centered. I would say your yeah. current your current understanding of gospel. Yes, I would say our current understanding back then. Yes, it was about being saved by grace. Brothers, sisters, younger sister. Hello, Gina. Older brother. Hi, Jeremy. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> so, just good family, good roots. Yeah, it was a loving environment. My parents. Still like each other, I think. I know they love each other. And they were, yeah, solid, solid family in general. No drastic wounds unless I've completely shut them out of my mind. It's good. <laughs> you have. You're completely scarred. You I just might. don't know it. <laughs> well, then how would I know it? So, yes, you might be true. I mean, that might be true. You blocked out the times your dad would practice dental work on you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, his dad introduced him to The Who and Rush and all these cool bands that... Yeah, I saved my money and my first CD, my dad took me down to the warehouse totally that doesn't exist anymore so yep. they sold cds and records and i went down to get my first cd ever with my own money which was the who's who's next which is amazing it's still one of my favorites sweet it's kind of a confusing title but anyway <laughs> yeah there's a little bit of a who's on first potential comedic yeah roundabout there yeah, yeah. so so you are musically inclined. You're going through your teenage years. You talked about uh, being in a band. Yeah. Um, so I I went through high school. I I had played piano when I was a kid for a few years, and I quit. And now I hate my mom for letting me quit. <laughs> <laughs> Which is hyperbolic, but yes, it's one of those things where she told me, you're going to wish I made you play this, but I will allow you to stop playing. And she was right. I don't even hate to say it. She was totally right. So piano, no he guitar. She was in the choir. I was in, in the choir, choir nerd in high school. I didn't learn to play guitar until after high school. So that came later. Self-taught drums came after that. I taught myself just when when all the guys were bullshitting, I would sit on the drum set and go to town slowly, pick up some skills, and become like Ringo Starr. He was a terrible drummer. Actually, it's weird. I've heard a lot of drummers, like really good drummers, say that he might be the best drummer ever. Ringo Starr? Yes. And he he didn't do much. Like, if you're not paying attention, he just... But so 
steady and rock solid. And he had the feel. Yeah. Yeah, because initially when I first heard somebody say Ringo Starr was their favorite drummer ever or, or was the best drummer ever, Scott, I agree with you. I was like, what? Yeah. He barely did anything. Well, and it's tough to evaluate them, drummers back then with now and, and the style. And so if he was really great at that style back then, if you, yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. Okay, so to jump ahead, when do you meet this fine young lady? Well, it was... It was right before we went on our little, the highlight of our band was a tour in Europe playing for the troops in Eastern Europe at uh, bases. And right before we had met and she was training for a half marathon. So we kind of at the party, our going away party, we touched base a little bit and talked a little bit. And I said, I would, when I got back, I would train with her because I was getting a little bit pudgy. But you had to be asked to join me. Well, and I think it was my way of. You didn't let me finish. Sorry. I was about to say I didn't have the courage to talk to her. And she had talked to me first. So she touched base with you. She touched my. She touched base with me <clears throat> first. I didn't say it that way. I didn't either. I corrected myself. Go ahead, Lisa. Lisa, how do you oh, remember word. the base touching? Um, what? That's right. an excellent question, Scott. So we touched base. We went on the tour, came back, and we started running together. And we were not – there was no dating yet. It was just running and talking. And there, there's a lot of stuff we could say. My reasoning for asking to – well, was obviously to get to know him. But I was going to be running at night, and I didn't want to run alone as a female out on the street. So it was a good excuse to see if he would say yes. And he did. The main streets of Aliso Viejo. Yeah. Yes. Crazy. Yeah. Laguna Niguel. Man, oh, it's you got it. Nuts. You do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you date when? She said yes. Oh, when? You said yes, you mean. <laughs> well, our dating was basically getting to know each other running. And then he, at the beginning, said, I'm not going to run this race with you. And I said, that's fine. And then by the end, he did. He decided he's like, well, I put in all this training. I'm going to well, do it. Yeah. And I was freaking in love with you. So <laughs> Zach, did you, Whoa, did hey. you think that she was hitting on you at the time or did you, or were you kind of like, I, she might be, but man, I don't think so. Or it was very much, uh, this is a girl that's talking to me. I've been single <laughs> for a long time. She's cute. She has an awesome disposition, incredible legs. An ass that won't quit. I will just run with her for a while. <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's a good enough you, answer for you me. You trail behind her, right? <laughs> Five yards behind. Oh, I was. Uh, yeah. Ah, oh, you're just in more shape than me. I'll be right behind you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a bodyguard. Mm-hmm. Totally bodyguarding. Guard, her. Guarding her <laughs> body. Body guarding her from behind. Oh my gosh! Carry on. Oh, Next. That's, that's good. Receive the compliment, Lisa. It's kind of in a creepy way, though. So I'll sort of receive it. Thank All you. All right. So we got married. <laughs> that's great. Here we are. All right. And hey, no, but we have to go back a little bit because this is funny. We officially decide that we're dating. Like the 
the conversation has happened. We were camping. You, I got, you told him that you're dating. No, no. I got invited to go camping with his family. And this was the first time I was going to meet his parents and everybody. And we went to Anza Borrego and I was coming from work. So I had to come later. I got totally lost. It took me like five hours to get there. It should only take like two maybe. And I show up. <laughs> his mom comes up to meet me and... I was just, I had no water and like I'd been driving around and I was like super agitated that it took me so long to get there. And I was like, I could really use a drink. That's the first <laughs> thing I say to her. And I meant water, but it came out totally wrong. And I was like, wow, that was, that was a really good first impression. <laughs> Sex. Sex girlfriend. <laughs> well, and it wasn't your girlfriend then. It was decided at the end of that trip that we were officially yeah. dating. <laughs> and then I, it took him a week to kiss me, and I had to ask. I, I, I must tell us more about Zach's insecurities. No, we are getting way sidetracked. We're slowing ourselves. <laughs> we are slowing ourselves are down. We okay, like a sorry. Four but I think no. that's funny. But I do want to add to Lisa's comment of the drinking thing. Comments that you make the first time you meet parents. I had taken uh, my now wife to Manhattan, and we had ridden a canoe out on the pond and. When I uh, met her parents, they're like, "What'd you do in Manhattan?" And I'm like, "Oh, we were out on the pond, and um, you know, we had exchanged who was going to be paddling." I'm like, "I, she rode me, and then I rode her." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I didn't just say that." <laughs> Hi, I'm your future son-in-law. <laughs> I'm a creep. Not anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, Zach, I think you, when you, uh, you talked about a story about your brother and his wife and, and your mom's like, are you sure you want to marry a crater to your brother's future wife? And she's like, oh yeah. And she's like, all right, well just think long and hard about it. <laughs> <laughs> I think she said that like twice or two or three times. <laughs> Mom, are you going dirty? Are you going, Mom's going blue, guys. <laughs> yeah. I remember that. That's how long Scott's been around. Yep. It's been a hard journey. All right. So oh, Scott, so I'm not, not going to do that. You just did. Scott. So, so we dated for six months and got married in six months. So nice. we basically had only been dating about a year on our wedding day. Nice. So you, uh, you go into your relationship, married, and... Um, are you planning on having kids right away? No. No, the plan was like two or three years, right? I think three it was more years. like three years. Yeah, three to five years of dual income, no kids. How long, and how long did that last? <laughs> Not long. Did it last three to five years? <laughs> uh, it lasted about a year. About a year. All right. We were married March 2004, and we had a baby March 2006. Hey, guys, and young couples out there, somebody should cue up the more you know NBC thing. When you pull the goalie, the puck goes into the net. He shoots, he scores. Wow, that's 
It's deep. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. You are not ashamed. What is wrong with he's him? Not, he's acting ashamed of these double entendres, but he's uh, not ashamed. I he's am. actually really proud. I know I am. He was just convicted Liar. on course jesting. So let's pick this up. Yeah. We got, she got pregnant. The pl- everything works. So obviously, plumbing works. She gets pregnant, and when we go in for our first, it was the first ultrasound, right? No, first ultrasound was eight weeks. We got to see the little gummy bear and the heart heart beating. Mm -hmm. So it It was was at twenty weeks. Twenty weeks. So it's like, but at eight weeks, it's like joy. We're pregnant. Awesome, healthy baby. Yeah, and then this 20 weeks amazing. we go in, and your parents were there, right? I think your parents Both were there. Both sets of parents. Oh, we, it was just Because we're going to find out yeah. if it was a boy or a girl. Right. Yeah, basically we find out that um, the baby has what's called a dandy walker, which is a type of cyst in the brain. Of that. And at that time, it was something that was like, oh, you know, it's not, it's not super problematic. Like sometimes it goes away, but it but it can be an issue. Um, you know <laughs> but what? the doctor that was there goes on to say, well, your baby has a cyst in his brain. And, you know, if if you want, you still have four weeks to abort it. Oh, good night. <laughs> I wanted to throw her across the room. I I, I was just in shock that that would come out of her mouth. Let's leave aside I, the abortion angle. It was really, it, it was that, but it was more her bedside manner. Like, seriously, I could see in Lisa's brain, you know, when you visualize something that you would never do, I just see Lisa grabbing a pen or something and just stabbing this doctor in the throat. You shut the fuck up. It was like, yeah. it was so ridiculous the way it came out yeah, of her mouth. It, so, so, uh, just scientifically, it was like, let me turn to the next page. Here's what you could do, right? The throat like, would be the you're not place a person in front of me, you're a number, you still and have time. Your number has an issue, and so just discard the number. We can it's remove like, this problem for you, yeah, yeah. as if it was, it was a little just shocking, yeah. Toss well, it aside and move yeah. on with your life. You have a choice. Meanwhile, yeah. we've just been told our baby has uh, water on the brain. And so it's all shock um, and just continued this process. It turned out he also had a heart condition, which was, there's a fun name with that. Uh, basically a hole Tetralogy in the heart of with it's advanced f- pulmonary something retro. So you have a child on the way that has serious challenges already. Yeah. And- yeah. Yeah. We found out about the heart problem. And so the, the water in the brain was secondary that seemed stable. That was like something that chances are it's not going to affect the child. And then there's this heart condition, which is basically a hole in the heart, which is relatively common. It can um, be repaired. Yeah, it can be repaired. multiple surgeries. So, I mean, that, that was just, that was just a whirlwind pregnancy and just so many doctor's visits and, um, well, and the hard part about it too is I had intentions of doing a regular birth and all of that. And then you get to this point where it's like, oh no, he can't go through a regular birth. Now you need to sign up for a C-section and you probably should get, change hospitals because 
you're going to be recovering and the baby's going to be in the hospital for a while. And so literally two to three weeks before I'm supposed to have this baby, I'm meeting a new doctor. I'm Mm -hmm. going to a new hospital. I don't know any of these people along the way. Like my, my OBGYN is amazing. She's not the one who was doing all the ultrasounds. She, and I just really connected with her. And so it was just hard to just have everything change in a matter of a couple of weeks. And then I'm here. I am. I'm going to be cut open, (laughs) you know, (laughs) deliver this baby with all these health issues. Um, it was just really traumatizing. So traumatizing. I can't even imagine where are the two of you because you're newly, I mean, you're essentially newlyweds a year into marriage. I mean, you dated before, but you're a year into marriage. What conversations are you two having? I mean, about the, the, you know, an impending birth. Yeah. Um, I don't remember a lot about that. I don't either. I was hoping you'd have something because I'm like, oh, I shit. I remember that was like, like feeling stressed about it, but but we could talk through it. Like it was like we're in this together and we're going to do whatever we need to do for this baby. I think um, there was a whatever mi- that looked like. Yeah, there was a mix of we. Oh, my God. We, what a, what? can we handle this? Like, I, I can't deal with this, but yeah, being you're, scared, but you're dealing with it and it's happening. And so you walk through it. Also, Shane was small. He had, um, I U G R in utero growth, growth retardation, retardation, which just means everything. He's just a small baby, really small, everything small, but in proportion, I mean, he's just gonna be a small baby that will eventually grow up to be a normal kid. So, yeah. And so, so I mean, the, so yeah, going in with the intent of there's these issues, but they're fixable, and maybe right. he's gonna be delayed in his in motor skills or speech or things like that. But it's the end result is it's gonna be okay after all this. All you know, he's gonna right. have to go through surgeries and all these things, but it's gonna be okay. The in expectations the end. are things are gonna work right. out. Right. Yeah. The, so, dan- the dandy walker, which by the way sounds like an awesome fantasy character. Like, hey, I'm just the giant. That's the dandy walker. <laughs> right. Or, or yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I won't. And say where that the dandy walker was was actually like in the best spot it could have been in for his brain. It was in the back of the brain. It wasn't in the front or anywhere else where okay. there was you know, reasoning or speech or where all those things happen. So there's hope here. There's hope. There's hope going into it. It's scary, but there's hope. Um, and so when we delivered, there's like, it felt like a thousand people in the room. There's, I think 10 and there was this trainee in there. So the doctor's describing the whole thing. I'm, I'm awake, right? He's describing the whole surgery and I'm hearing it. Now I'm going to cut her open. Now I'm going to take the intestine out. Now I'm going to do this. That's now awesome. I'm going to puncture this. Now I'm, I was like, are you shitting me right now that I'm listening to this whole thing? You're going through the out? most like, personal experience yeah. you could possibly have. And someone's just, You're right. And somebody's, <laughs> getting, somebody's getting taught. He was, yeah. And it was great. I mean, it was incredible. I'm, I'm tall. So I could see over, they had everything roped off and. 
they had these it was weird. It was like it was not my wife. I saw my wife from kind of chest up, but with all the borders they had put up uh cordoning off the area. Yeah, I could it was like see all this draping her right. organs outside of her body on her, <laughs> yeah. on her can't wait. Like setting things aside <laughs> to make room. And I look at her and her eyes are open and she, it, it wasn't even real. It's not even real. And the, the pictures are somewhere and I, I was reaching up really high and taking pictures of the yeah. whole thing. So, but that was, but, yeah, that was crazy. Um, but they delivered him and, and he got, I got to hold him for about two seconds and then he got carted off yeah, the to plan, the NICU. The plan was give her a quick moment and then, uh, he was whisked off to be checked to make sure everything was good, every, that he was stable. And then three days later, he had his first heart surgery. Yeah. Three days old, he was not under four, four pounds. pounds. And he had heart surgery. That, man, that fucking surgeon was... Was, was unbelievable. A, a miracle worker. Amazing. I don't remember his name, but I just That's remember... Probably, D, but probably anyway. Indian. Deepak. No, no he's a white oh. guy. Short white guy, probably with a God complex. Most surgeons have that, right? You guys know that, right? They probably need to, uh, to a certain to. level. No. Yeah. Yeah. You have amazing. to have confidence to that. He was yeah. amazing. So, and everything went well. So during this, this process of surgeries, are you hopeful? Are you, are you being given hope from the doctors? Oh, like for things sure. are going well? Yeah. Yeah. It was 95 After- plus percent. Everything is correctable the heart surgery heart surgery heart condition is correctable it is fairly common uh and so the first surgery was great and it was it it went well and so it was a lot of hospital time because of his size we had to wait a while how many weeks he was there 14 days yeah so a couple weeks and we got to bring him home and he was he was small we brought him home he's like Three pounds, 15 ounces or something. Yeah, I don't even know if they let Paris bring him home that small anymore. But yeah, that and that was awesome. We went home. It's like, okay. Oh my gosh. I was freaking out on the freeway. I was like, don't go over like 30. (laughs) Freaking out that there's this like itty bitty human in the backseat. And (laughs) I I was so freaking out, but so excited to go home. It was a really amazing moment. To come home and walk in the door with him. That's awesome. That's really cool. So that was at like three months, three and a half months? So no, so three early? days. So that was like, he oh, was a couple was weeks much, old, three oh, weeks old. So, okay. Yeah. And so then so it was he, a process of checkups and a lot of watching and making sure he's gaining weight. and Has enough oxygen. He had to have another heart surgery. Uh, well, that was a plan. Um well, they had to do a procedure before his next heart surgery. Yeah. And so what they do is they shoot dye through the heart mm-hmm. um, to see where all the blood flow is going um, to see how, how the next um, surgery would go, like to make sure they're prepared for it or right. that it's functioning right. the way it should be um, to be able to do that. And he had grown a lot. He was like 11 pounds now. He was four, oh, over wow. four months old. So he was... On his own growth chart, he was doing well. And um, he was meeting milestones that he should have been meeting at that point. So um, all was good. 
But um, after they did that, he um, ended up getting a cyst or cyst, a blood clot, sorry, blood clot um, and in his in his leg. And so he had, again, had to be back at the hospital and they had him on a blood thinning medication. Well, he already has oxygen mm-hmm. level problems and then he's on a blood thinning medication. And he's small. And he got kicked out of the um, PICU because they were overloaded. So he got put in the cancer treatment area um, and he just wasn't getting observed enough. Um, and he ended up bleeding out of the area where the incision was and he died. And, um, were you guys there that day? At least it was. Um, my mom and I were there. Um, my mom had been there all night just to give me rest because, as you can imagine, I didn't sleep much those days. Um, and I was at the hospital, like, all the time <laughs> and still trying to work. And um, it was just a lot. And so I had come back that morning, like, at 7 in the morning. And she had been up all night with him and... um when I got there, she was holding him and um, she put him down and I had been there for a couple hours and no one had checked on him. So I was like, oh, he probably needs a diaper change. Like no one, you know, no one's coming in here. No one's like checking anything on him. So I got in there and I opened the diaper and it was just like really bloody. And so I called for somebody and they come running in and they just escorted us right out. Mm-hmm. And I, as I was leaving, I saw the doctors starting to do CPR on him. And I knew it was over. You called me. You called me. Um, and I was working and you just said uh, something's wrong. His, his oxygen levels dropped and something's wrong and. You know, me, I was working and so I didn't have the perspective she did. I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm praying and, you know, keep me updated. Um, and, uh, hung up the phone and it was like 30 or 40 minutes later when Lisa called me and I remember the time and, um, the cross streets I was, I was at, I was driving at when she called me and said Shane died and uh yeah it I was numb it, I man I, I didn't even know what to I, I didn't even know what to say I just said I think I just said I'm I'm coming I'm on my way but yeah. Is it just, a, I mean, the blood just sucked out of your body? Yeah, lifeless. it's like it wasn't real. I think I called, I think I called our pastor, Todd, and I think he had already found out somehow. All the timing is just, all the timing is just fucked up in my head, um, the timing of events. But I know I called Todd when I was on the way to the hospital and 
And he just said, Oh God, Zach, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm on my way. And so I just drove to the hospital and, um, yeah, that was, that was fucked up. How many years ago was that? 10 years ago. And so there you are one year in marriage and you have the worst possible thing that could happen to parents, um, losing a child. Um, I mean, you grieve for, I mean, I don't know if you, I don't think you stop grieving. Right. Um, and the grief just shifts. Right. It, where the two of you, where do you, I mean, you're both strong believers. Where do the, from that point, where, how do you move forward out of that together in faith? Where's God in this? And I mean, what are you holding on to? It's hard to say. It's hard to say each other. Um, well, first of all, going back a, a little bit, the night before he died, and, and I know I told Lisa, but I don't know if she remembers, but the night before he died, I was at the hospital and I was so, we were all just so exhausted. And it, it just, this just reveals how selfish. And this is a, this was a moment that I took a while and I'm still not over. I don't think, but it took a, a long time to, to stop murdering myself internally was that Shane was freaking out. They were trying to do blood transfusions the night before. And I just had to go home. I was tired. I have to work. How am I, how can you, not you and anybody in particular, how can Person. I be expected to work if I don't, I got to sleep and just not thinking clearly. It just reveals how narcissistic and selfish I can be. Lisa's mom was there and I left. I left. I didn't hang, I didn't hang out as late as I could have because I wanted to sleep. And man, that, I just feel like a fucking asshole. Uh, especially after the fact, you know, he, he ends up dying and that was my last night with him. And all I could think about was how much fucking sleep I was going to get. Um, so that was tough. That, that tortured me on and off and, uh, hasn't for a while, but I I think it still does. I think I don't know when it is. It takes me a while. I'll have these moods where I'm just, I know I'm not easy to be around. I'm short or Lisa will ask me, are you okay? And I say, I'm I'm fine, but I'm not. And it's hard to put to words because I don't realize what it is necessarily, but we call it his man period. (laughs) It's my we man. Do. It's <laughs> man period. Yeah. I mean, you have to put some humor to. It was actually it's menstruation. Sorry, menstruation. Whatever. <laughs> but it's, oh, it's recognizable. Man, it's like I, I know. And so, I know yeah, when it leading up to it. Ha- I know when it's happening. I know what it's about. And it's not always Shane. I don't. I don't know what it is always, but I know sometimes if I haven't been to visit his gravesite for a while. If I go and I have a awesome cry, 
it just lifts this burden off me. But second guessing, there's a lot of second guessing after the fact. Decisions we made with the medical personnel, yeah. uh, second guessing my own behavior, my own selfishness. There was a lot of that. And we just leaned on each other. There was days where I was a mess and I would just, I was in, I couldn't operate and Lisa would, would take care of things and she would pick up the slack. It just kind of seemed to work out that way where we would alternate being kind of the anchor in the family. And our community was unbelievable. I've had the opportunity to talk to other people who have had similar situations over these last 10 years. And, um, it's heartbreaking to hear some stories of how they basically were alone in it. And, um, that was not our situation. I think we had upwards of 15 people in the room after he passed away. Everybody dropped what they were doing and just drove up there. And we stood in a big circle and prayed. And that day, people were just sitting with us in our house and just like in silence. And we might talk. We might not talk. We might cry. We might not cry. And they just sat there and just were present. Yeah, they crushed it. Um. They they crushed it. It was they did. Everybody it, was just there, and nobody worried about saying something that would end up being stupid, which is the usual thing. Like, hey, oh, how are you? Yeah, doing? we we It'll got that okay. later. <laughs> we got that later. Oh, yeah. you're gonna have more kids. It's how okay. You you're young. I, a stupid shit like that. That I, it took me a long. That that was a hard part for me. Was the You'll have more kids? Yeah, it Pop just the crap uh, that people would just. Trying to fix, pull out trying, of their butt, and it yeah. was like, don't just don't say anything, please, just don't. Just you can say I'm sorry and move on because the next thing you're gonna say is gonna hurt. <laughs> um, but yeah. anyway, so like our we, we understand was, that people like that are they just they're thinking I just gotta say something, right? You I want to show them I do. care, and so diarrhea comes well. out. Yeah, right. it's just diarrhea, and it doesn't do well. So waiting in silence. And just the Jewish sit I think it's sitting Shiva and where you you're just like there and you're mourning mm-hmm. and you don't you're not worried about anything else, you're just there. We had a lot of that and that was awesome. That was incredible. So you really experienced I mean, in this tragedy, you did experience some blessing from the people um, that surrounded you and comforted sure. you. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure through this, there was some, I mean, between the two of you, probably some greater bond was created. This breaks marriages. Right. And somehow it centered it. I don't know if it synergized things at the time, but the strength of your marriage is unquestionable today and i've i've only yeah. known the two of you for you know a few years but it's unquestionable and this is the the proverbial watering hole of fellowship and and you're both leaders and you have two great girls and you're known as a solid family and hard working people and and you go back 10 years and it's 
like we had a, we have a gaping void hellhole that happened to us. Mm-hmm. Some people most fall right into that abyss. Eighty percent of marriages do. So, is it the just? Is there some? Do you think? Is there something in your faith? Is it how just the two of you, the foundation of who you are, or how you raised, you have any answers for how you're a part of the 20% that came through? And I'd probably say that you're thriving as a, as a family. I'll let her answer that. <laughs> Fine. Are we thriving? Are we thriving, Lisa? That doesn't need to be answered. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Oh my God. Thank Thank you, sweet Jesus. Stop. I I was thinking about this actually today, which is funny timing, but um, I was talking about this with somebody else. How I, how in a lot of marriages, it's like, what can we do just to get through the day or hey, bring us another beer? Or I can't wait until he or she goes to work or I I just want to go to bed or whatever it may be and I I never have that thought. I never have it. I can't wait until we're going to be back together as a family. I feel sad when we're apart. Um, There's just something really special about that, that you would hope all married people would have. And I'm sure because of, I mean, we were, we were good married. I mean, we, we've only had, I think two yelling arguments in our entire like 13, 14 years of being together. Um, which is a pretty good track record. <laughs> um, Who was right? <laughs> a lot of a lot of silent treatments. That, yeah, that probably that should have been improved. yelling, um, but we're getting better at, at fighting. Yeah, but in general, I, I don't know. It's tough. There was our family is close. Everybody rallied around us. Uh, we we had real close friends that I think were accountable enough to where they would have been in tune to if, if our marriage was falling apart as a result of this, they, they would have seen it. So I don't know if it's just, it's probably just inter, just people intervening, just supporting us and really, yeah. really the hands and feet of Jesus. I mean, yeah. the, the tangible, the tangible um, community being we the hands and that, feet of we Jesus, being without, love. Yeah, if we went through that without family being around or a solid community of people who all wanted us to thrive and survive this, I who knows what would have happened. That's when the shit hits the fan and, and you can't get through it. So I don't... Uh, I wish there was just a thing I could give you guys and every listener could take away a nugget of, oh, that's what's going to keep our marriage together. You, you, you can. I mean, no, I'm, it's I, so as little as I know about marriage, all you, people. there's no magic pill. It, it's, it's, it's started before the event, it, your relationship yeah. before the event, your, your relationship, not with, not only with each other, but 
with, with Christ. Um, and then all the, all the, like you just said, the family around you, there's, there's no, like, this is what, how do you be successful in life? Let me give you, uh, the, yeah, there's no magic pill for, for that. Scott, how are you not married? Scott that is wise. Were you, were you, were you 10 years ago? Were you there? Were you around? I was partially. So I was in Iraq. Okay. And I came back on leave um, mid-tour to this. I'm just curious if you, like, if what you witnessed just between Zach and Lisa and where, where, I mean, did you know them? Did you know them well? I mean, I had no, yeah, I had known. Okay. Yeah, he was in our wedding. Okay, so you came. So yeah, you, yeah. Okay, I was. So I was the reason they were late for their flight on their honeymoon. All right, <laughs> that's how far we go back. Okay, so when you came back <laughs> and you were you were around during that that time, um, what are you seeing from them going through this? I I wasn't really there to see the dynamic of okay. the marriage. Um, I, 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 I don't Did you have remember. conversations with Zach at all? Do you know? I don't, I don't think we talked. Okay. Letters. <laughs> Scott would mail us letters. I actually still have all the letters you mailed yeah, but us. Nothing regarding that. No. Okay. Scott, was, right. Scott was in town when Shane died. Okay. For two yeah. weeks. We have pictures yeah. of him okay. holding Shane. Well, and it's actually, wow. I don't want to say it's funny, but it is kind of funny. I was, I think Zach said, "Hey, take take pictures of the because f- we you know the, the, at the funeral." And Zach's like, "Take pictures." I'm taking pictures of people looking at me weird. Later on, I'm like thinking about it. And I'm like, "Oh yeah, you're probably you're not really supposed to take pictures at a funeral." I blame it on Zach though. I forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, asked, I asked you, and I forgive you. <laughs> I, I remember people looking at me weird, and I'm like, "Why are they looking at me like that? They're supposed to be." Anyway, but Rusty, Rusty, I remember Rusty played a song at the funeral, and 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 that was cool. But yeah, I mean, that was really. I'm just uh, I'm from the from people friends looking inward. Um, I'm just wondering because as Zach and Lisa, you know, really testified, they can't, they don't really remember a lot of. It was just, it's just bad. And I remember some specific um, moments that are etched in my memory, um, which is weird because there's like a couple of weeks there I don't remember anything, and then but there's specific um, moments that I remember, and one was Zach laying under like you have that little play mat for babies and the things hang down, and so they can swat at him and stuff, and I just remember Zach was having a really hard day. And he was just laying under that thing and just crying his eyes out. And I was like, I want to fix this. And I can't. And that was horrible. Yeah, I remember just thinking, I just, I just, I just was smelling him. I just wanted, wanted anything to, to be with him in any way. So I was just laying on his his blankets and stuff and just smelling him. Yeah, that that one is definitely etched in my memory. Like, it's so clear. And, But 
what's pretty amazing is that we could allow each other to grieve the way we needed to. Um, like I even see people now, um, tell people how to grieve. Like, this is the way you need to do it. That, you know, this is the right way for you to handle it. Yeah. Or you need to, you need to get over it. And, and when I hear stuff like that, I just think, how like, please just support that person who's hurting. Please support them. And as long as it's not dangerous to their self, let them grieve the way they need to because they they need you too. That's <laughs> probably to the biggest them. takeaway. I remember days where I'm like, I am shut off from the world. I don't want to, I don't want to see anyone or be a part of anything. And so I remember playing video games for stretches. I mean, I still do sometimes <laughs> for different reasons, but I was playing video games and thinking, looking back, I didn't think about it. Looking back, Lisa could have freaked out. Like, what the fuck are you doing? You're playing games. We just lost our son. Uh, she could have gone that route and I, I wouldn't have blamed her, but it's, yeah, you're right. I think that's the biggest thing is everybody grieves differently and there needs to be grace for how people grieve. And so there there was this mirrored, mirrored guy's words. There was this weird mix of her losing it and just being out of it for a day and, or me losing it. And we just picked up the slack where the other person didn't have it. Somehow the other person had the strength. It was even like, can you please call this person back? Cause I just can't talk to anyone right now. Like yeah. I can't even make a phone call. I can't have a conversation. I can't have someone asking me a gajillion questions. Like I think I can't do it today. Can you do it today? And it was like, yeah, I, he would say, I can do it today. Did you ever ask yourselves or just think about the idea of like, where is God in all of this and how will God, did you actually ask yourself the question, how will God use this? In our lives, um, for for the good, like how? I mean, did that ever cross your minds? I don't think I initially could have seen the good that would come out of any of it. Um, did you question I, God, or, or I didn't question having God. a faith crisis through that? No. Um, it's funny. I it, don't remember having that either. No, I had this weird peace. Um, that my kid wasn't hurting anymore and that was super comforting. And I actually had, um, a couple of dreams right after he passed away. One dream was he was, we were in my parents' house like that. My, I grew up my whole life in one house. So that was like comfort for me was, is my parents' house. They still live in it 40 years later. And, um, it was this dream of me holding him and we're all like laughing and happy. And it was even, they remodeled their house, but it was like the 70s style of their house. Like hmm. everything was old school. And I woke up and I, and I had, it was so real that I ran into his room hmm. thinking like, like this was all a dream that hmm. he's really here. And, and looking at it, it's like, I, I know that came from God. I know it did because that was the peace that was like surpassing it all Hmm. that he was happy and we are a family. And, um, 
And after that dream, I was like, I can, there is peace. There is hope. Um, there's more. And, um, so I never felt like, like God doesn't love us or this is punishment for our sinfulness or I never had any of that. I was just pissed off (laughs) that my kid died. Like I was just mad. And so I was mad for a long time. Um, just mad that, that this would happen. It was probably the first time that I, that whole period from the day he died, um, and still to this day where I feel very comfortable using terrible language, talking to God, like (laughs) we're like saying fuck or shit or any number of words that emphasize the strength of how you're feeling. I get a pass on it all. (laughs) I, I, I will use in my, in moments where I need to use those or I'm feeling that. And I would have never thought to use such colorful language. So that started and has been actually pretty, pretty therapeutic. Um, but for some reason there were, I don't remember any faith questioning or crisis or the, how God operated didn't really come into question. That was much later. I'm sure we'll get to that in maybe part two of this. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you, do you too feel like you have more empathy for people? Oh, 100%. And something that is interesting, um, that I never would have foreseen either was it was about, I guess three or four years after he had passed away, our friends were uh, living in Rancho and they had a neighbor on their street who went through the pregnancy and their son was diagnosed with the same issues. And, um, and I had an opportunity to speak with her and, and just tell her what happened with us, not to scare her, but to encourage her and to say, be an advocate for your kid and don't let them push you to do procedures or do things that you are not as the mom, not comfortable doing. And, um, and she was so appreciative to be able to talk to somebody that could just even relate at all. And then to like, kind of give her the, the balls to say no if right. if you don't want to do this you can tell you're the parent the medical establishment no you're in charge because they'll <laughs> yeah. tell you why you're wrong right but the, the medical establishment I, I don't distrust them now but there's a lot of gray area where mm-hmm. going into all that ter- that time it was whatever they said well what do i know i didn't go to school for all this you know right. they know better yeah and looking back there's a thousand things that we could have done differently maybe. And that's been part of this mourning process and the self torture and second guessing is all those little decisions where fuck, I wish I would have said something here. I wish I would have asked a question there, but I just, I just trusted. So yeah, that, that might be priceless advice. Lisa is, is be you are the advocate for your kid. You and yourself and yourself. Yeah, what wh- whatever the situation is, yeah. C- call the hospital administrator. Tell them 
what you've just been told and ask them what, what they would do. Just what, what would you do if it was your kid? Would you agree to these terms? Of course, that's looking back on it. And, right. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. We try and get away from pain in this world so much. We'd like, we don't want people to go through pain and suffering and heartache and loss. I mean, we're constantly trying to cover up and hospitals and parents and everybody across the board, especially in our country, is constantly trying to cover all of the possible pain and sorrow and suffering and in uh, on that, as I listen to the story and I'm thinking about this, I'm like, it's, it, I'm like, you could have, as probably many couples have, just said, nope, we're done. Yeah, we're we're just going to stay away from that, and we'll just end this, uh, you know, at four months or or twenty weeks or whatever it is, and and. Knowing the both of you and where you're at and your family, it's as I as I kind of wander back through your story in that time, it's as if everybody gets handed a baton and and the two of you chose to like continue the race and like take this baton and, and walk through this life. Walk through this so challenging part of life that you now are faced with. And it's not like it's given to you. Like I'm going to make sure that this bad thing happens to you. It's like, this has happened. Will you walk through this together? And you did. And you like finished this, this race for your child. And not, not everybody does that. Oh man. It's, it's, um, (laughs) it's, I mean, I mean, I feel the emotion from the both of you, but I'm, I'm in, in awe that you would walk that walk. Making that decision. Um, and then becoming stronger after that or, or through it. And then after that being, being stronger as a, as a couple together. And I think we talked about that in one of our first episodes was if you guys have the same goals, you know, it, uh, to raise a family and uh, that that should that should bring you closer together um instead of instead of constantly arguing with each other but but to your but to your point jeff my my parents with my youngest sister so back in eighty eight um they they had done i think ultrasounds were were new then um but they had already come up with a thing to uh I, I forget what it was. Maybe it might have been a chemical test or something or a blood test, but it's probably amniocentesis to yeah. see if they have uh, any Down syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they had that done and they told my parents, Hey, she's got a I forget what it was. Like a marker. Yeah, there's a marker, so you you got a seventy thirty or eighty twenty percent chance that she'll have Down syndrome. Um and they gave her the option. They gave the option of of aborting, and my parents said, "No, no, we're not going to abort." And then, just a couple months ago, three months ago, she graduated USC Law School. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, it, it's a, it's a it's a very tough decision. Um, 
if you if you have a grounding already, and I think you guys did, that's it, a very important part of life, um, because there there other things are going to pop up, and things are going to pop up in my life, and yeah. having that grounding already is is very important. Grounding in Christ. Yeah, it was faith. It was the community that all had their faith. I mean, it, it's not rational. But Lisa and I have both said this to each other. Um, when you're going through it, it's like, how are we going to, we can't do this. Each moment along the way that we got more bad news, it was like, I, I can't do this anymore. But you do it and you walk and you just take a step and you're together. And knowing what I know now, we I would do that again with Lisa. I mean, that, it it does not make sense. But there's something about it, I, I don't know. Like, nobody should ever have to go through it, but coming out the other side, having those experiences with Shane, we had a lot of moments where he was a healthy, giggling, babbling baby. And uh, it just somehow you forge the strength together and you get through it. And I, you don't want to do it again, but I would do it again. I, w- I would go through it again. And that's what people refer to as the beauty from the ashes. It shapes you. Yeah. For the rest of your life. It's funny. Our girls, uh, we have two girls, seven and nine, and they, they have this connection to Shane that I can't exactly explain. There's this, they only know about him. I don't think I've even shown them videos. They know about no, just what, pictures. what we've told them. And just every once in a while, one of them will just be bummed out. And it's like, what's going on? What's going on? And the tears start coming and they just start bawling. I miss Shane. And it's like, <laughs> I miss man. my brother. I miss my brother that they've never met. met. It's so, wow. it it transcends things. I, <laughs> there's like, maybe it's a little it. glimpse of how they're in touch with things in a way that <laughs> it's just a small slice of what's to come. I don't know, but. There's that, hope. There's hope for humanity. Yes, a little bit. Yeah. yeah so it sounds bit. like this is going to be a two-parter, Jeff. There, there's a. You're there's driving a, the ship today. There's what do you a think? flip. No, there's a flips. There's another side to this story. It's only been an hour and a half, guys. I've, Come on. I've ref, I've referred to you know what what the crater home and family is in the community, um, and I, I definitely would like to come back and and go further in the story and um really of just the the path that God has led the both of you and your family down and and the two of you are in marriage. Um I think there's it's there's something very rich and genuine. Um and I I think uh I'd speak for Scott as well. I think we're proud to be Friends of the craters. Careful. <laughs> he agrees with that for the most part. <laughs> I can infer by the fact that he, we hang out so much that he's he's proud. Uh, somehow proud Scott's been there for every major medical emergency <laughs> in our lives. Medical crisis. <sighs> okay. Right. He's don't been get there. don't get me started. Okay. And he's always super calm and knows exactly what to do. Okay. It's so amazing. One, one day, 
I I had just gotten out of the army. I get so this is like to the late two thousand eight. So I'm I'm there in their rancho home. I say that because third world first world problems. Uh, at their rancho home, and Aubrey, their oldest daughter, is having. She's been sick, and then I was tired, so I just fell asleep on the couch in the living room. Well, Aubrey had a fever, so they. She's like in her diaper or something, and they put her on the couch just to cool her off. And I wake up to, oh crap, Aubrey's not breathing. And then my mind, she's I'm, getting blue around the mouth. Like, We've seen this before. First, first I'm like, oh crap, Aubrey. But then there's it's just the back, the back of the mind's like, no, not again. So is that a brief? <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> we all were thinking the like, same thing. No, it's Kippy. Yeah. So yeah, there's some panic there. Yeah, but you. Yeah, Zach and I are freaking out, like hit, like patting her on the back, like she's choking on something, and she's not. She's having a seizure, and Scott's like, "I'm gonna call nine one one," and we're like. That's an amazing idea as we're sitting here. I don't well, I remember out. I remember someone one of you saying call nine one one. Yeah, I told so, I told oh. you. Okay, well So either way. I told Scott call nine one one and Scott's like, That's a great idea. Oh, I had it flipped. But anyway, Scott did, calls nine one one. Regardless, yeah, he stayed on the phone. He, it was just a fibril seizure, which apparently is pretty common. Everything ended up fine, but you were there for that and uh You've been there for other things as well, so uh, all I can get we out. We appreciate you. I get out on the phone. I just said, "I said, baby, not breathing." <laughs> and I'm not kidding you. Literally within there. thirty, less than thirty uh, seconds, the cops were there, there. The fire. There were like ten men standing in my home, oh my surrounding gosh. my kid. Yeah, this is Rancho Ambulance. Yeah. Everything. Rancho's, wow. Rancho Santa they Margarita. Were amazing. There's nothing else going on. There's no crime. Crime's at like point zero two percent or some cr- something. They had nothing better to do, and there's a Starbucks down the street. So like they were less, already there. Yeah, it was like less than a quarter mile away is a Starbucks, and yeah, so they were <laughs> they were there quick. Holy see the cow. see the the first cop, the first sheriff running, and he already has a baby uh, valve mask already in his hand, and that was, I mean, wow, yeah, that was. I never heard Stressful, that Stressful, but amazing at the same and time. And I was full-on pregnant there with Gwen, oh too. So that brought oh, some excitement to excitement to that pregnancy. <laughs> it, it was a roller coaster. So the long story of it is Scott is an air mono who's been there through thick and thin. And uh, I appreciate you, even though we like to fight on the podcast. He has shed do, I, lots of tears with us. I do like to, I do like to argue. Yeah. So why don't you bring us home, Jeff? <laughs> That's the first time I've seen Scott in tears. Don't, I'm not crying. So, no, he stop it. Yes, you I'm not crying. Scott totally cried. I wanted to just be silent so he would have to keep talking, but I, I hooked him up. <clears throat> now that, um, so my anticipation um, of going in and, and listening to your story, yeah, I think that's so. There's more to be told, but. Um, the one thing on Bros Bible's beer is it's genuine and honest and real, and uh, you creators are real. And uh, I just love hearing the just the first part of this story, um, just meeting tragedy 
and coming through the the other side and with no regrets of going through it um, and and uh, embracing the idea that I'd go through that with my wife um, over again um, is profound and I, I don't think people realize it's one thing to talk about it it's another thing to go through it and you have and uh, I really sit here in awe of uh, the both of you as uh, as a couple and uh, it's pretty inspiring and uh, I think it gives hope and I, I can't wait to talk more because there's so much more to uh, I haven't even story. lost my faith yet <laughs> Good. that's right Good. Oh Grief. yeah so yeah you're, you're locking shields with your wife or your spouse you, with your husband you're locking shields against whatever is coming up that yeah I think you guys did that deflecting did arrows that. thanks yeah. guys yeah. Thank you. Stay tuned Thanks to part two. Have more kids. Yeah. <laughs> he would love to. Uh, he's the leader of the house, so we we co lead. Thank you. Uh, well. Forever.